Well, good morning. And uh, many of you will recognize Christine's story from the Invited series that we ran a couple of years ago. And that was a really important series for us, uh, looking at the, the whole issue of diversity, both celebrating the diversity that we have in the church, but also being very real about the challenges of diversity. And I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to some of the talks from that invited series again. And and this week, we're taking a break from our current series on the Psalms, because with everything that's erupted around us in these last couple of weeks, I wanted to take the opportunity to speak about diversity again. And, you know, honestly, knowing Knowing what to say and how to say it and, and, and also what not to say, it, it's not straightforward in uh, such a highly charged atmosphere and with such an emotive subject. But what I love about Christine's story is, is that it's very real about what she and what many others have experienced, racism that they've experienced and the impact that has had on, on her life. And there's lots that she didn't say in that story as well. But it's also so full of hope. And hope is much needed at the moment. It's so full of hope that is rooted in God. It's rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in the church. And, and that is where I want to draw our focus this morning onto the very real hope that we do have and onto God's beautiful design for diversity. And I spoke about this back in September as part of our vision series. And so I'm going to use a lot of the content from that talk today. So forgive me if you've if you've heard me say some of this before, but I, I do think some things bear repeating. Now, let me be clear. Let me be really very, very clear. Seeking to draw our focus onto the hope that we have is not a cynical attempt to gloss over, to brush over, to dismiss everything that is going on at the moment and everything that people are feeling right now and kind of saying, well, let, let, come on, let's move on from there now. No, 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 that is not what I'm doing. It's not what I'm seeking to do. And so I repeat some of the things that I said in that video that went out a couple of weeks ago and that racism Racism is uh, an evil of our society that has always been with us in various forms. And as followers of Jesus, we must stand against and we must speak out against any form of injustice when we become aware of it. But racism in particular is an offense against the image of God. And it was Martin Luther King who said there are no gradations in the image of God. In other words, there's not one person who's made more in the image of God than another person. There's no, there are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a base black is significant on God's keyboard precisely because everyone is made in the image of God. And as Christians, we, we must immerse ourselves in that truth that everybody is made in the image of God. We must fight for that truth and remind ourselves of it every time we become aware. And, and, and by we, I mean all of us, all of us, white, black, every ethnicity, Every time we become aware of any prejudice in our own hearts and it is good to search our hearts and it's good to ask God to search our hearts, to root out where there may be prejudice lurking in our heart and to repent of it. But it is also a time to recognise that that while prejudice is a, a universal human problem, prejudice can lie in all our hearts and all sorts of people have encountered prejudice of some sort that this is a moment where the focus is on the hurt and the pain and the sense of injustice that many black people feel because of racism, both in the present and historically. And so it's a time to do lots of listening. 
It's a, it's a time to hear people, to hear their heart, to, to seek to empathize. And I've been having conversations with lots of people uh, across the church and just hearing about their experiences and, and, and hearing their thoughts on what's going on at the moment and how that's impacting them. And some of that's been hugely encouraging, full of hope. And some of it is is heartbreaking to hear what what some people have been through. And I think those are important conversations for all of us to be having at the moment, to allow people to speak and to listen and to listen to one another. And of course, it is a time to pray. And we have been praying and we'll pray again today after this talk and just take all of this and place it in God's loving and secure hands. So please hear me. Please hear me. I'm not in any way dismissing or seeking to dismiss what people are feeling. I'm not trying to short circuit the process of working through all of that together. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. As much as I really hope things change as a result of all the increased awareness and the conversations that are happening at the moment, and and, and things will change. Some things will change for the better. Praise God. And we must keep striving to bring positive change. But the fundamental underlying problem of racism won't go away. It won't go away because it's a problem of the human heart. It is as much a sin issue as it is a skin issue. And so and so, if it's not going to go away, where's the hope? What, what hope do we have? Well, Christine talked about it in her story. She talked about what she found in the church and what she found in relationship with Christ and what she's seen happening in the church over these last few years and and, and what God has been doing in bringing all these different nations and all these different colours all together here at King's. In the book of Acts, the, the church was born into a racially divided society, a racially divided world. But it quickly became this countercultural beacon of hope where Jew and Gentile, Jew and non-Jew worship together. And that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Ephesians 2, where he said that through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the dividing wall of hostility, this wall, this division that had been there between Jew and Gentile and between other ethnicities and other races, this dividing wall had been torn down and that Jesus was making one humanity out of the two, making peace, reconciling them to God, reconciling them to God and to each other through the cross. And it wasn't without its problems. Issues arose in the early church as they still do in the church today. But the key is they remained united. They remained united in their diversity. And only the power of the cross can do that. Only the power of the cross can bring that about. Because ultimately, as I said, it's a sin issue. And only the death and resurrection of Jesus can deal with our sin. The fact is that the world is broken and it's being torn apart and destroyed by division and prejudice. And try as we might, humans have a pretty terrible track record of trying to solve those problems. But in the church, in the church, we have a far, far better story to tell the world about diversity. We have a far better story to tell. And that is why I want to focus our attention on the hope that we have in Christ, both now and for eternity, to lift our eyes and to seek to deal with current issues and current divisions in the light of that glorious eternity we have in Christ. You know, we are unbelievably blessed at King's with somewhere between 40 and 50 different nations represented. And it's worth stating that because, of course, we can't see that at the moment. We can't experience that at the moment because we can't gather together. 
And you know, for me, that is one of the that is one of the greatest losses that I feel at this time. I so miss, I so miss meeting together with all of you and being and experiencing that in, incredible environment, that amazing atmosphere of worshipping God together in our diversity. And diversity is written into the vision of this church, into our God-given vision to be a diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. We are a diverse church in a diverse town. But the vision isn't just about achieving diversity, just saying, yeah, look at all the different people we have together in one place. Well done us. No, no, no. The key thing is it's about unity in that diversity. That's the vision about achieving unity in diversity and what that shows people about Jesus, what that shows the world about the gospel and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. This is what it says in Colossians 3. I'm going to read from verses 9 to 14. You, if you who are in Christ, you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of of its creator. And here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He says Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, because Christ is all and is in all, therefore, in the church, pursue unity, pursue compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, pursue forgiveness, pursue love, pursue unity. And so the Apostle Paul is saying it's not so much about whether you're from this nation or that nation, as important as that is. It's not so much about whether you're from this background or that background or this culture or that culture, as important as those things are. The more important distinction, the most important thing that shapes your identity is whether or not you are in Christ, whether or not you are in Christ. You know, I have far more in common with Christine or with someone in the Nigerian church, or with the people at King's Church Kathmandu, I have far more in common with them than I do with my white British neighbour who doesn't know Jesus. Because it's about being in Christ. That's what binds us together in unity. God unites us in our differences. He doesn't seek to sweep difference away. He celebrates our differences and he unites us in those differences. And, you know, as a fractured society and particularly at such a time as this, unity in diversity is such a powerful and radical expression of the gospel. It's a powerful and radical beacon of the hope that we have in Christ. And so we must be in the church. We must be intentional about pursuing unity in our diversity. And we need a lot of grace for one another. And we need a lot of forgiveness for one another. That is God's way, grace and forgiveness. That's his way. And we need a lot of wisdom. We need lots and lots of wisdom in what voices we listen to, in what we allow to shape our thoughts and our opinions and what we share and what we portray to the world. You know, there is a lot of information. There's a lot of opinions out there, especially on social media, and not all of them are good. Really, not all of them are good. 
Now, I have read and, and seen some really helpful things, some helpful articles, some helpful videos that really seek to bring that sense of understanding. have really helped me to understand something of what it is like uh, for for a black person, what they've experienced, even though I can never fully understand that. Some of the information out there has been really helpful in bringing understanding and also seeking to move forward and seeking to bring reconciliation and move towards that. There's some helpful stuff out there, but there's also some really toxic and divisive things out there as well. And so we need wisdom. We need wisdom in what we listen to and what we share with others. And I think possibly the most damaging thing is anything that seeks to suggest that this group are all alike and that group are all alike. You know, that all white people are like this and all black people think like this. It's just not true. It's simply not true. All police are like this. No, 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 it's not true. And actually that kind of thing just serves to reinforce the divisions. You know, these problems arise because of divisions And that kind of thing reinforces the divisions. And it's anti-gospel. It's anti-gospel. It's against God's design, his beautiful design for diversity, where difference is celebrated. It's not about making everyone in one group the same. Difference within groups is celebrated in God's design. And we see this in the early church. As the early church spreads through the, the book of Acts, it spreads across the world. And there are many, many differences, but there's also unity there is, there is oneness even in the, the manyness, even in all the differences. So there is one God, there is one faith, there's one baptism. But you have lots of different styles and lots of different expressions and lots of different cultures and lots of different languages, lots of different colours. And it's, it's a beautiful demonstration of unity in diversity. See, where you have one but not many, you have oneness but not manyness, oneness without the differences, that's conformity. And actually, frankly, it's pretty monotonous. It's a bit dull. And again, forgive me because I've I've used these examples before, but as a parent and an ex-primary school teacher, I have sat through many primary school music performances, um, you know, brass or recorders, that, that kind of thing. And, you know, because, of course, the children are at an early stage of learning the instrument, they're just playing the, the basic, the very basic melody or, or melody. Um, <laughs> they're all playing the same note at the same time, if you're lucky. And, and of course, it's about you're, you're there, you're watching your child, and that's what it's really about. And that's, that's all very, very lovely. But you've got to say, well, I think anyway, it does get a bit monotonous. Um, and kids, if you're watching, monotonous means great. It means great. Okay, so, so that's where you have one but not many and conversely where you have many but not but not one where you have everybody just doing their own thing well that's just chaos and again it sounds a bit like one of the music lessons that I used to teach as a primary school teacher I say teach in the looser sense of the word it really wasn't a strength of mine um I just say kids go and pick an instrument and then go and express yourselves and it was it was horrific it was truly indescribably awful really really bad And that's what it's like when you have many, but not one, not unity in the many. But when you have both, when you have one and many, when you have oneness and manyness, then you get something like this.
in a symphony like that, you, you have different sounds, you have different instruments, you have different notes, and they're all being played at different times, but they're all working in harmony around the same overarching piece of music to produce something that is harmonious and beautiful. It works. It works together and it produces something of beauty. And the church is meant to be like a symphony working in harmony around the gospel. But a symphony, of course, doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice. And in rehearsal, there will inevitably be some jarring notes. There'll be some some clashing notes. The same is true of diversity in the church. It can lead to challenges. It can lead to misunderstandings. And of course, there's a great danger of that right now if we don't pursue unity very, very intentionally. We see it in the early church over issues like circumcision and and food, arguments that arise and trying to work out what the way forward on those issues is. And we see a big diversity challenge in Acts chapter 6, where we have the Grecian Jews complaining against the Hebraic Jews about how their widows were being treated. There's a cultural and an ethnic division going on here, and this could be serious. This could have serious consequences for the church. But the solution is beautiful. Leaders are appointed to oversee the distribution of food to the widows and all the leaders that they appoint have Greek names. And so it seems that the offended party are given responsibility for distribution of food to both parties. And we see the result of this reconciliation in the very next verse, which says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. The jarring clashing notes were corrected. They, they learnt from it. They, they listened to the problem. They didn't dismiss it. They sought to understand and they found a unifying solution that brought reconciliation. And the resulting symphony, the resulting harmony drew people in because of its beauty. I think we can learn a lot from that in our day. So diversity does and it will bring challenges. And we see that happening very starkly in the world around us at the moment. I think we are seeing the enormous cracks and fault lines in the the secular story at the moment. But in the church, we have a better story, a better story to tell. In the church, we are to work out all the challenges we face in the light and in the power of the cross, remembering that we are all saved by grace through faith, regardless of nationality, regardless of culture, regardless of background. We were all in the same boat. We were all sinners who have been forgiven by God through the blood of Jesus. So we are all one in Christ. We are united in Christ. And again, Colossians 3.11 says here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That's what binds us together. Even in the most challenging of times, we are all one in Christ. King's Church High Wycombe is located in Britain, but it is not a British church because it is Jesus's church. This is his church. We belong to him. And that means that talking about diversity like this is not white people welcoming black people into our white church. And it's not about British people with a British culture welcoming non-British people with a non-British culture into our British church. No, the fact is that we were all outsiders. Whatever culture we've come from, we were all outsiders and we have all been invited and allowed in by Jesus to sit at his table this is his 
church. And so nobody needs to conform or feel they have to conform to a British culture. Nobody needs to conform to a white culture, whatever, whatever that may be. Please be who you are and bring who you are in all its glory and in all its fullness. Bring who you are. And you know what? If there are some clashing notes along the way, it's okay. That's okay. We'll work it out as we go along. We'll learn together as we go along. We are all one in Christ. We are united around his song. And it's about finding kingdom culture. What is the kingdom culture among and through all the different cultures that we have here at Kings and how all those cultures play different notes and play different parts in creating this beautiful gospel symphony that tells the world of the beauty and the glory and the power of God. We have a better story to tell the world. So let us tell it. Let us tell it to the world. Now, of course, we are far from perfect. We are far from perfect. And by the way, if you if you have ever experienced here at Kings, if you've ever experienced any kind of prejudice in the church, I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry that that you've experienced that, because that is not what we're about. That's not what the church is about. It's not what we're building. It's not what Jesus is building. And I long, I really do long to see a greater diversity in our leadership and in our worship teams and in every area of church life. And, you know, it's easy to become complacent with that, to take the eye off the, uh, my eye off the ball, to, to, to let my focus be on other things. But I've, I've got to tell you, it's not an optional extra for us. It really isn't. It's something that we're working at and that we continue to work at. And we need to strive together, all of us in the church, we need to strive together to grow in grace, to grow in forgiveness, to grow in understanding and to grow in unity through being intentional about building friendships that cross over dividing lines. Genuine friendships with people who are different from us. And obviously that's a lot easier to do out of lockdown where you can sit down together over a meal or over a a coffee and just share your stories with one another and build friendship, build relationship, build trust and build understanding. That's important at all times, but maybe it's even more crucial than ever right now. And so in the situation we're in, yeah, we are limited in what we can do, but you can pick up a phone, you can get on Zoom and you can seek to just start a conversation and share stories with one another. Let's be intentional about pursuing friendships that cross over dividing lines because unity in diversity shows the power of God at work in the church. And anything less than oneness between God's people, it just makes the gospel look untrue. It's about unity without uniformity. It's about diversity without division. That has been God's goal all along because it displays his glory to the world. And the growth and the rise of the people of God throughout history is a bit like the Amazon River, not because it's filled with piranhas. But the Amazon starts as a trickle in the mountains of Peru. And, you know, very small, very insignificant. You wouldn't recognize it as the Amazon. But as this river starts to wind through Peru and on into Brazil, it starts to grow and it widens and it starts to shape the landscape. And that's what we see happening with Israel as we wind our way through the Old Testament. It starts small, insignificant, and then grows and grows. The people of God grows. But when the Amazon reaches the Brazilian rainforest, that's when things really start to kick off. 
And it's a bit like when we get to the ministry of Jesus and the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit is poured out because all these other rivers, all these other tributaries, they start to flow into the Amazon from all different directions. And that's what happens in the gospel in the book of Acts. Different nations start to be added into God's people. And so there's this massive expansion in God's people. There's becoming more and more noticeable, becoming more and more powerful, impacting the world around. And these rivers and these tributaries, they continue continue to join and that is still happening today as different people groups are reached and they're joined into the torrent of the purposes of God but these rivers these streams and these tributaries they don't just remain separate in their own channels running alongside the river no they come into the river they join into the big river they all take on the identity of the people of God while retaining the history of where they came from we become one in our diversity as we join in this wonderful, powerful river of God. And, you know, by the time the Amazon reaches the Atlantic Ocean, it is so big and it's so powerful that it turns the salty ocean water fresh up to 200 miles out to sea. What a glorious picture that is of the church and the potential and the impact of the church. What a great picture of the church. And that is what John sees in his vision in Revelation 7, where he says, there before me was... A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and every language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. He sees this multitude of people. He sees one people who are still many. They're still diverse, but many who have become one. That is the church. That is the church that Jesus is building. And that is where we are going. A renewed world, a world where God has made all things new, where there is no more injustice. There is no more racism. There is no more division. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering. That is the hope that we have because of the gospel, because of the cross of Christ. This is the glorious symphony. This is the big story of God that we are all part of, the great song of the gospel that we have all been caught up in. And so let us take these times that we are in, let us take them seriously. Let us take them seriously. Let us take the time to listen and to learn and to search our hearts and to repent and to forgive and to pray. And let us honour God by building well together. Here at Kings, let us honour God by building well together in contrast to the world and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, on the hope that we have in Christ and on the unity that we have in Christ. And let us declare his glory to the world and turn the salty waters fresh. We are all one in Christ. Everyone, everyone is invited.